Blog Talk Radio. Rivetti, what's up? I'm sorry, sir. It's just a difference of opinion that got out of hand. What about? It's really too silly to talk about, sir. I'd rather just forget about... I don't give a damn about what you'd rather forget about. Why were you two fighting? Well, I said that the Kirby Silver Surfer was the only real Silver Surfer. And that the Mobius Silver Surfer was shit. And Benefield's a big Mobius fan. Things got out of hand. I pushed him, he pushed me. I lost my head, sir. I'm sorry. Rivetti, you're a supervisor. You can get a commission like that. I know it, sir. You're 100% right. It's never happened again, It right? better not happen again. I see this kind of nonsense, I'm going to write you up. You understand? Do you understand? Yes, sir. You have to set an example, leaving in the face of stupidity. Now, everybody that reads comic books knows that Kirby Silver Surfer is the only true Silver Surfer. Now, am I right or wrong? <laughs> You're right, sir. All right. Get out of here. Yes, sir. You're traveling to another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind. A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro-Nerd Radio. With your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. And introducing West Coast correspondent, Miss Claire Linnae. Mind expansion engaged. folks, yet another edition of Afternerd featuring Captain Kirk, the Grindhouse. Not just me. Let me be more appropriate, more correct. We have, of course, our left coast correspondent, Claire Linnae. Yours truly, Debert. We have the uncanny Daryl B., but he's on our Wednesday show for a bit, for a spell. I think he might even call in today. I'm not exactly sure. He gave a little bit of a of a cliffhanger on Wednesday's show. So, you know, I know that, if anything, I will try to get to some of his tweets. You, you might have noticed that we have a 90-minute show. Normally we have uh, a two-and-a-half-hour show. But with a heavy heart, uh, Captain Kirk's sister has passed. Um, young woman, and uh, obviously I, we consider all of the, the tangential uh, family members of Afro Nerd to be true. Afro-nerd family members, so in deference to him, um, we're going to make this a short show, and uh, I hope that our listeners, our supportive listeners, if you like, you can lend support however you feel in doing that 
uh, to his Twitter page or formal our formal email address, which is afronerdblog at yahoo.com. Again, it's afronerdblog at yahoo.com. And you can reach the captain via Twitter at at total intent, at T-O-T-A-L-I-N-T-E-N-T, just as, I, as it is said, at total intent. And uh, it's, it's definitely a sorrowful situation, and, and uh, the captain knows I saw him earlier. Um, I, certainly, we all give, from the Afro-Nerd team, our condolences for his loss. Uh, he, he will be back. He's a strong cat. I will tell you that much. He's a very strong individual. So he's going to be out for a few shows. Uh, I wouldn't doubt that by next week this time, he'll be back in fine order. But I want to kind of give that out to, to our listeners to let them know what's going on. But uh, we have, of course, myself and the lovely Left Coast correspondent, Clay Lene. She's a trooper doing double duty per usual because she is the doppelganger unto the, unto the uncanny. So let's get to it's that time also, folks, the Yule Tide. So, you, you know, I got to do what I got to do. <laughs> I'll put my, the best spin I can with the Urban Alternative. That's a, a chief component of the Afro Nerd Radio Machine a chief component of, of uh, what we do, not only talking about pop culture and comic books and fantasy and science fiction and all that, steam and STEM, but also black rock music, urban alternative music, progressive hip-hop, you name it, the stuff that conventional radio refuses to play. Uh, and also we're going to explore Patreon, folks. So we're coming, Patreon. We have a lot of things we want to do with the Afro Nerd Machine in expanding and expounding whether that means a visual image um, showing up our website. There's a few things that we just have to do going into 2018. Black Panther's coming. There's just a lot of, of things coming for people of color that we've got to help to promote. So we, we hope that you'll be able to assist us in our journey because this is not just for us, but it's really more for you. So, well, well, I'll talk about that, but Patreon is coming. Anyway, let's go to this Tide Herb Alt Groove. This is Sharon Jones, the late Sharon Jones. Young folks are passing. I would consider her relatively young. Sharon Jones passed a year ago, right along with uh, his royal badness and a few other high-profile, talented people. Anyway, ain't no chimneys in the projects. You got that right. Ain't no chimneys in the projects. Sharon Jones, we'll get into the discourse. Claire Lene is right up. Hold on. Let's groove.
the late, great Sharon Jones. And she's got that right. Ain't no chimneys in the projects. Folks, this is the Grindhouse, a short shrift edition of it. 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. You know, when that jam comes up, you know, I see outside of our studios the invisible jet. I see the lovely Claire Lene walking out. I saw this woman flying through the air, just sitting down. Still freaks me out to this day, folks. Anyway, <laughs> you know who this person is. An integral part of the Afro-Nerd Radio machine. She is. You know who she is. She is Claire Lene. Let's just get into it. Time is short, really. Claire, Wonder Woman. Waiting for you. <laughs> How Waiting are you? Waiting for me. Yeah. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm hanging in there. You know, anytime one of our team members gets hurt, um, it's it's weird. You know, it's just it's because you know, Kirk is a strong guy. I mean, you know, he has this kind of deep baritone voice, but the guy matches his voice. Uh, and he's a strong cat, so you know he will weather weather through this. But anytime someone, a uh, family member passes on, especially someone who's relatively young, um, it's it's a rough road. So I, I figured I'd let the uh, the team and our listenership know what's going on, and he'll be back um, right right back at it. But he's of course has some family things to attend to, so we will continue uh, going forward while he you know while this whole uh, tragedy is playing itself out. So. It's unfortunate, especially around this time of year. Um, let's let's try to make the best of it. Let's you know the the show must go on. Let's kind of in his spirit. Let's kind of just continue, uh, folks. Grindhouse, the team is all here. Well, partially. Uh, Clay Lene, you just heard from, and Daryl may be peeping it, peeping in, but for the moment he's going to be on Wednesday's show. All right, uh, a lot to get into. I, before we talk about, no, you know, let's just go into. I was going to go in. There's a lot of stuff that I didn't even list. And we only got less than 90 minutes. Uh, Claire, I'm going to let you begin. Did you get a chance to check out the Avengers Infinity War trailer? And if you did, your impressions. Did I get a chance to check <laughs> it out? Don't be silly. Don't be silly. Well, you of know. course. Of course. I mean, hell, we've, we've joked about this in the past, that everything, a trailer, has become an event. They're giving out commercials for commercials. They gave us fair warning 24 hours prior. They were trying to let it be known. Special announcement, folks. This is coming. Get ready. So, yes, I did see it. Um, in terms of overall impression, I mean, if I'm going to be completely real, it was cool. It was, it was yeah, it was good. I'm excited, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. There were certain elements that I was actually really looking forward to seeing, like polished, but they chose to kind of alter the footage that they released at Comic-Con and at D23 for this uh, official trailer that they've released worldwide. So there were certain elements that weren't there or that were kind of changed or you know, I was kind of looking forward to seeing and kind of a little bit disappointed about it. But but on the whole, 
I'm excited. I'm thrilled. It's really exciting to see the whole gang starting to come together. Um, you know, I and I also I also can appreciate the fact that they're really being careful not to give away too much. You know, just just give us a taste. Just give us enough to kind of wet our palate, get us revved up, but don't give away the farm. Don't don't do what Sony did with Homecoming and just basically give us the whole damn movie in in 10 trailers. Don't don't do that. Don't do that. So, my my enthusiasm is somewhat tempered because you know, let's face it, a lot of this stuff is already you know, stuff that's been leaked or stuff that we already anticipated or kind of would piece together. But uh but no, for the most part, I'm I'm thrilled. This is this is for sure going to be the biggest movie of 2018. Yeah, you know, what gets me is that uh, sometimes I, I I forget or maybe I'm a bit ignorant of some of the movie-making process because, uh, you know, listen, as a true geek, sometimes I just can't wait. And uh, I did see – and actually, I appreciate that they actually did change things up a little bit, but I did see the brunt of the trailer because the bootleg version uh, of it from Comic-Con leaked online, so I was able to make out what was going on. And actually – the Comic-Con trailer was just was really out there. Like some of the things that it, – it is probably a better better go at it not to see everything that we saw a few months ago. Because if we were going by the Comic-Con trailer, some of the antics that Thanos was doing, uh, you know, it's, it's good that they actually pulled back a little bit. But um, I did notice that when – you saw the encounter of encounter of um, Thor with the Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy, that he had both eyes, and in this one, he had the eye patch, which would be in tune with what happened in Thor Ragnarok. So I'm glad that they kind of cleaned that up, because I was like, okay, in between movies, did he go through some kind of process? You know, I don't know. Did he go to some kind of Asgardian science? I mean, I had a whole bunch of wacky ideas. So they're consistent with what happened in early November to what happens, I guess, in May when this formally comes out. So, uh, but you're, you're right. I mean, I think it's, it's it's best for us not to know too much. You know, the, the the DC people don't necessarily or didn't necessarily get that message. Also, the Sony people, as you just said. They don't really get that message. They're so desperate and so fearful. I mean, if you really know you got it like that, listen, this thing was able to, I think it, it, it garnered like two, like uh, 230 million views within 24 hours. I think it broke a record in that now. I mean, that's basically going into Star Wars numbers. Uh, the, the last film that coincidentally made a lot of money was the It horror film. And that had, I think, like 180 million views or something like that. So this surpassed it considerably. So th- they are looking at the metrics. When it comes down to these, these views, these trailers, and as you said, they, they've become events now. You, know, they, you have people that have been able to garner um, really a career out of just looking at these trailers. That's the, you know, we, need to get on, we need to get in on that, by the way. But anyway, you have kept people, men and women, that gather around. They have the whole geek geek theme behind them and they're able to 
uh, make a career out of, out of first impressions of trailers. So this trailer viewership thing is a big deal. The Russo brothers, they've, they've kind of established themselves. You know, we forget these guys came from, from the community TV series, now community who. They, they seem to have gotten a hold on this. I've I got to ask you one thing. Uh, I, this couldn't be coincidental that they released this like a week or two after the Justice League debacle. Doesn't it come off a little of a, of a really stark contrast between how DC is still coming off a little amateurish? I hate to put it that way. I know when, you, when, when people hear us, they're going to say, oh, these are just deep, uh, Marvel fan people. But, you know, you've got to be honest. When you see the Avengers um, walking around like a peacock when they throw out their trailers, this looks like a global event. This looks like a gl- – I mean, it is clearly a global event. The gang is all here. This, this, this kind of kind of showing uh, DC, this is how you do this. You think there's a little bit of that going on, a little bit of one-upmanship, Claire? Um, you know, honestly, it's funny. Kevin Smith has the exact same theory. He's, uh, he's joked about it many times on his podcast that every time DC tries to, t- tries to strut, you know, tries to show out, it's not long before Marvel... <laughs> you know, comes in and, and, and just rains on their parade. Um, because, I mean, it's just like with uh, with uh, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. It wasn't long after Wonder Woman that the Black Panther trailer came out, you know. And it, um, even with this, with, uh, with the Thor trailer, even that, it was just – it. You know, that trailer came out just a couple, I think maybe a couple days, not even maybe, uh, of uh, of the announcement that Joss Whedon was switching over to D.C. to, to do Batgirl. So it's, it's always funny. People are always going to speculate on the timing. And even with, you know, having to move Punisher, which very, very sadly due to tragic events, it was meant to come out sooner. It was meant to come out during New York Comic Con, beginning of October. But because of what happened in Vegas, there's obviously a need for sensitivity, so they wanted to delay. And you know, they could have, they could have chosen a semi, you know, semi-neutral date, as it were. They could have chosen November 10th because that's Veterans Day weekend. You know, and case in point with the story and having to do with, you know, veterans and, and war and soldiers and all that, PTSD. They they could have gone that route, maybe. It's the week after Thor. It's the week prior to Justice League. But, no, they chose to drop it same weekend as Justice League, November, November 17th. So with this trailer, it's the, it's I kind of can't help but think the same thing. I assumed that the Infinity War trailer would debut upon the release of Last Jedi. It's all within the the Disney family. It makes sense, you know, synergy, cross-promote. But no, they decided to drop it. <laughs> they decided to drop it, you know, at the end of November. So I, 
I don't know. I, I don't know if it's it's necessarily intentional or if it's trying to, you know, shots fired or if it's anything like that as, you know, us nerds within the Marvel DC, you know, war, factions, whatever you want to call this, uh, we, we always want to try to over-dramatize and make it more than what it probably is, but sometimes, you know, you just can't help but wonder. Um, I, I just, yeah, you know, it, it it's kind of, it's kind of sad. It's gotten to the point now where it's just sad. You know what I'm saying? When you see something like this, and like I said, I'm excited. I'm thrilled for Infinity War. It will be the biggest thing ever, 2018. But if I'm going to be honest, I wasn't floored by the by the trailer, partially because I've already seen leaked footage and partially because I understand that these guys really are trying to keep things close to the vest. They really don't want to give too much. They're trying to be careful about, you know, what breadcrumbs they give us in the next few months, you know, leading up to the to the big reveal. I totally respect that. I get that. But even what we got, even what we got within that trailer, it really puts Justice League to shame. I mean, it's really actually kind of embarrassing at this point, you know, embarrassing that DC's, you know, crown jewel that they were trying to build up to, you know, is their lowest box office (laughs) of all of the movies that they have produced since Man of Steel. That's pretty sad, you know. There's something wrong here. There's something wrong here. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what's um, we're gonna we're gonna transition to another topic because of time. But uh, it's funny you use the term embarrassing. I mean, that's exactly how I felt. I felt like, wow, you know, the the, the idea that the Flash and and Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman that those characters that, that that was supposed to be. I mean, when, when you first heard that they were going to go into this direction, I, I was very elated about the idea of the, of DC actually trying to do this thing. But I also had my suspicions, and I said this before so many times, that it seemed like they were really trying to get this going haphazardly. I saw this way down the line. And for, for us not to be in the corporate sphere and to realize this, like it, make, it makes you realize, realize just how, how clueless some folks can be in spite of their positioning. Because, you know, again, we, we saw clearly that this was a, a time-honed, uh, well thought out process on the part of Marvel, and that DC was just just so in a hurry. I mean, I, they was talking about Batman vs Superman coming out much earlier, like I think a, a year earlier than it actually came out. And when I said well, you know, they're going to just do this in two years, there's just no way. So the whole thing was just done in such a sloppy way that you know when you see Marvel, everything's kind of executed very masterfully. I mean, they had a couple of missteps, but because they really have been doing so well. That even a few missteps, it's explained, it's explainable, or it's it's simply because they knew what they did. You know, uh, Inhumans was explainable. Uh, uh, Iron Fist was explainable. I mean, this is just kind of people kind of being lazy, clearly. But 
for the most part, we got to not putting their faith, putting their faith, putting their faith in the wrong people. People that I'm sorry, for all intents and purposes, may be very skilled at being a showrunner, at being a producer or executive or whatnot. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to um, make light of the fact that maybe they're just not talented. No, I'm trying to be fair. I'm trying to say that perhaps you put your faith in someone that doesn't know how to execute this type of material, have respect for this type of material, which, let's face it, it's pretty out there. In humans, it's out there. You know, dealing with a guy with a glowing fist is out there. And you need to be able to to be able to, to tell the story in a way that can satisfy not only the fans, the comic book fans who know the canon, who know Danny Rand, who know these characters, you know, but also a, a more general, more casual audience that is just kind of coming into this universe into the on the television side anyway. And so I just yeah, I feel like those missteps are are things that they can at least at I hope I hope they are things that they can own up to. Okay? Don't keep giving the same person an opportunity to F up. If they don't seem to be getting it right the first go around, don't give them another chance. And that's exactly what you did with this guy, Scott Buck. I'm sorry, but that's what you did. You gave him the keys to do not only Iron Fist, but also Inhumans. And both shows have not been well received. So what are you going to do, Marvel? Are you going to hire this guy again? Are you going to make this guy your Zack Snyder? you just going to keep giving him so much power, even though he doesn't seem to have any consistent you know, base of of, of positive reception you know across the board i mean come on come on but in terms of what you're saying in terms of what you're saying yes with the missteps comes the ability to to grow to learn to understand well what could we have done better and not just with missteps but in just in general nine times out of ten sequels get worse and worse Nine times out of ten, that's obviously just, just, just the case because it then becomes a, ca- a cash grab. It's all about that money, you know. Rare instances do you get something that really leaps off the page and it's like, oh, okay, we had a chance to really do it right this time. doesn't matter if we're talking about Empire Strikes Back, Godfather Part 2, Spider-Man 2, X-Men 2 of the previous trilogies I'm talking about. You know, you're going to have those instances, but a lot of times they – they just get worse and worse in quality. Whereas, take a look at what's happened with Thor Ragnarok, the third movie, and it was the highest grossing. Look what happened yeah. with Captain America, Winter Soldier, Civil War. It just got bigger and bigger and better and louder and more ambitious, you know? And say what you will. Say what anyone will about Iron Man 3. It's very, yes, divisive, but, but, it is among the the few pictures out of the 17 that Marvel has released that's made a billion dollars. A billion. So you you, you got to give it up. You got to give it up. There's obviously, you know, they they know how to adjust. They know how to keep expanding and keep going and not just make it about the money. They they really are aiming for something bigger and grander whereas with DC, I 
I'm actually very disappointed, not in the sense of like, oh, screw DC, DC sucks. No, I don't believe that. Not after what I saw with Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman gave me hope. It really did. It gave me the opportunity to see them course correct. But now I just, I feel like things are kind of still unstable. They're all over the place. I want to I want to mention this, and then we're going to have to close out. But I just want, and I mentioned this before. Um, if and I, I'm almost inclined, because again, just to kind of uh, offset folks that think that you and I are clearly like Marvel. I mean, I'm a comic book fan all the way around. Whether it's Boom Comics, whether it's Image, I'm not really caught. When I was a kid, got to be Marvel and DC, and, and like any other company, you know, be damned. It's almost like wearing a certain type of sneaker. When you were a kid, you know, you you would wear a certain type of sneaker. I don't believe in that now. Now I, I like Western comics. I like all kinds. I like, I'm in love with the genre. But I'm almost inclined, again, from someone who might critique me for being a Marvel fanboy, which is, which is incorrect. I'm almost inclined to write a letter to Warner Brothers. It could be easily dismissed, but then, then again, we see that they are willing to listen to some folks. They need to have a real comic booky reason to course correct if they actually embrace the genre, the fact that they have Ezra Miller, and I don't, and again, I don't, have, I have no problems with him as an actor. I think he's an excellent actor. I just don't like him as a choice for playing Barry Allen. We we've never seen this kind of Barry Allen. But if we're going to go with him as Barry Allen, and you have a successful Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman movie, see that kind of stuck, because you have a successful Wonder Woman a movie, you're going to have to release this Aquaman thing at some point. Who knows what's going to happen with Flash? But because of the nature of Flash, they can actually, and again, emphasizing a real comic booky reasoning, they need to embrace some of the CW stuff, have them on the big screen for a few minutes, so the audience and the geeks say, oh, wow, this is all connected. They need to get away from this embargo nonsense, connect all this crap. We see, we see Grant Gustin on the big screen when, when we see that uh, – we see that Ezra Miller is piercing other dimensions. The geeks will go ape-s. They will go ape-s. Embrace that crap. You do that, and then all of a sudden, whatever you've done, Ezra Miller, you start to see you have a, you've created a DC 52. And then, get, and, then, and then you need to hit it hard and fast. You, you need to get – this is me. You need to consider having um, Guillermo del Toro come in with this Justice League Dark, with this, this really freaky-looking swamp thing, go in a completely different direction. Embrace the comic booky essence. But these suits are not going to do that. They, for some reason, they're, they're, it's the suit's reason why this sucks the way that it does. I'm, I'm going to bring in Q-Storm, and then we're going to go to another, uh, another topic because we have less than an hour. Uh, Q, Mr. Storm from Podcast News, hey. what's up, sir? Hey, you, you just um, hit on something that made me dial in. You said something about marry, uh, bringing in the elements from the CW, maybe uh, allowing that to leak over into the movies. Yeah. I say you are 100, 100, 100% correct. And I want to say this on your show. I saw the Supergirl and Flash episodes of the Earth uh, Crisis on Earth X. Right. I don't watch Legends, I don't watch Arrow, <clears throat> but those two episodes I saw were so damn good. I'm going to watch Arrow, I'm going to watch Legends, and I'm going to say this. The Supergirl episode where they had the battle in the in the wedding scene, Yeah. that 
to me, was better than any of the battles I saw in Justice League. And that battle, to me, I'll say this, it was almost as good as the battle at the airport scene in Civil War. I'd say that. So I am 100% behind what you just said. Uh, that that uh, crossover was awesome, the two episodes I saw. So, yeah, I'm on board with that, what you just said. I mean, it, it's really not that difficult. I mean, even hell, they were, if they really were, um, if they want to ensure or make better, um, make a better foundation for success, I said this before, and then, we, and then we're going to transition. I want you to st- still remain on. Um, if they had Andrea Romano, who's beloved, I mean, she's in retirement now. I think she has some health issues, who was the, the uh, casting director for the Justice League cartoon series. But the, the, the vocal talent, because these people are very good actors anyway. We see Carl Lumbly, speaking of Supergirl, Carl Lumbly is oh, playing yeah. an, an elder. I mean, that's a shout, that's a shout out. See, why <laughs> they do the things the right way. They do the shout out to the fans on the CW, and they wonder why these crossover events, they have to do an annual crossover event because they're so successful. The viewership does gangbuster business. So if you get the and- Andrea Romanos, the Paul Dini's, the Bruce Timms, get those people out of the bo- uh, out of the vocal chair and get them into the live action chair. Get, they know how to, to, to juxtapose acting, the emoting. They know how to do this. But the, 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 for some reason, they, they have the, the suits in the director's chair. And then they wonder why this stuff flops. I mean, this is this does dovetail in a, into a creative space. And the creative space and the business space, they got to come to some kind of detente because it's not working. <laughs> it's not working. When you've when you got to crawl to half a billion and Thor, who's like a tertiary character, sneezes to half a billion – Thor might be a billion dollar picture, or, or, you know, realistically maybe eight fifty, but it's in that it's in that ballpark. When you're doing over I mean, eight hundred million in business, it's I mean, in that ballpark. That's what we're saying. That's why we're using terms like "sad" at this point. That's why we're using terms like "embarrassing," N- embarrassing. Not just because this is the freaking Justice League, you know? It's your it's your answer, your clap back to Avengers. I'm not even saying that in terms of embarrassing. No, I'm saying that there's a very likely chance Justice League worldwide will not make as much money as Thor Ragnarok. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's well, amazing. Also, That's crazy. And you, know and you know something else? We, and then we gotta, we got to go to <laughs> something else. It's ruining – the fact that they're not successful is actually ruining the brand. Justice League, Justice League is a brand. If you can't get the, that brand in order, that's like Star Wars has established a certain gravitas. It's, if they don't course correct, you're actually ruining Justice League as a corporation, as a business idea. So they they got to do something. I mean, this is you know, it's it, it just it, it cannot be. It just cannot be. Let's let's move forward because we got less than an hour. Um, this is something that. <laughs> Claire, the irony in this situation is so ridiculous. We, we really didn't touch on this last week. Uh, Daryl called in, and we, we had a lot of topics on the, on the floor. Uh, C.B. Sabalski, or Sabelski, I think his name's pronounced, C.B. C.B. Sabelski, um, he had replaced Axel Alonso 
who many would, will say, uh, and I met Axel at, um, I think even, even Q-Storm was around, uh, when we, the, the, the last, the year before last New York oh, Comic yeah, Con, yeah. affable guy, man of Latin descent, uh, clearly was about expanding and, and, and really trying to showcasing the characters of color. And I think that really has, and he's actually was, was helming uh, the Marvel the Marvel imprint, the Marvel print imprint during its most successful period. Like this, this period up till now under his tutelage is the most, was the most profitable. So this is, you know, when you, the worst thing they can do, I've been told, the worst thing you can do is be successful at your job. It's just kind of the irony of life. The people that actually do what they're supposed to be doing, you end up actually losing your job. And the people that fail, they keep on promoting. I don't know why that is. It is what it is. Anyway, um, he's out. They bring in the C.B. Sabelsky character. And why they brought him in has a lot to do with the complaints by the, by the retailers, the comic book retailers, of slow sales with the quote-unquote SJW line of comic books. Uh, there's a certain expectation, a certain... Um, certain metrics that are supposed to be met per month with some of these titles, and these are these are the you know upper tier Marvel titles. Like a Thor has a certain expectation, but now you have a female Thor. Now initially, female Thor was selling quite well, so I don't know if that actually deconstructed or debunked what what you know the complaint what the complaint would be. But some of these titles, like a Black Captain America, or um, well, I know Ms. Marvel, I think, actually sells pretty well. But there's a number of these characters. characters. Iron Man is, is reflected with a black woman. So whether it's, it's a, a woman-led imprint or what have you, they, they, the perception is they were screwing around with these Hallmark-level heroes to concede to the SJW set, the, the diversity set. Di- diversity is a bad word in certain circles. So the retailers are, tell, are saying, and I remember, uh, I guess like the day I went on a Thursday, I think that the Thursday for New York Comic Con in October, that morning it made it to the internet that there was a big beef that was rather disruptive. It was a breakfast with Marvel and the retailers, and the retailers kind of cut loose. They were very angry, saying they were losing business. I've heard some shops had to close down, and uh, – some of that they would probably tie to Axel Alonso's stewardship. So anyway, they bring in the C.B. Sabelsky, and there was, I guess, a sigh of relief because there's implications that he's going to turn things around. But you know, lo and behold, you find out that he did a little bit of yellow face. He's, he's a, he's, he did some whitewashing-ish. C.B. Sabelsky, uh, going back a decade, wrote some books for Marvel under the nom de plume of Akira Yoshida. Uh, he doesn't look like an Akira Yoshida to me. He looks very white. So I, I think this is bubbling up, but the irony is, okay, you bring in, you bring in an, a hatchet man who we don't necessarily know what his sensibilities are, but but when we dig below the surface, we see, oh, wait a minute. You don't like this minority heroes. A complaint has been, has been levied 
that there's whitewashing going on in Marvel. There's a whole bunch of ish going on. And you bring in a guy that just so happens to pretend to have been Japanese. And that you have Japanese writers saying, hey, this is the type of ish that prevents us from getting work. Wow. This is rather, rather blatant. Let me go to Q Storm, then I'm going to go to Claire. What are your thoughts about this, this thing? Or is it just I'm part of to, the course? I'm trying to understand. I, I know you're on limited time, so I'm not uh, just ex- – why did he do it? I mean, did he? Did they not realize that he was not Asian, or were they in on it? What was the What was the point, Brian? What was the end? The end game? Why? why? I don't get it. I just don't understand any of this. Listen, I can tell you in a, in a heartbeat, without even going into any research. Number one, this was done like in mid two thousands, right? Uh, why is it Why is it done at, at at any time? It's done to get over. It's done because no one's looking. It's always been done, Q. It's not really. It's not really a, 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 a what you call a um, conspiracy. Uh, you so know, what, people uh, people can do this because it's no big deal. I was asking um, during this conversation when you guys first brought it up. I was asking, kind of, you know, run this by me because I had the same level of confusion as Q. Like, run this by me. I don't understand what we're even talking about. And so, on the one hand, John Hutton, you know, our uh, our wonderful, wonderful listeners and supporters was explaining the conflict of interest that, you know, staff folks are not supposed to be writing comics. You know, you shouldn't be in a position of power to promote your own work, you know, your own stuff over somebody else. Okay, fine. So that's kind of, yeah, that, that seems kind of shady, right? But But all of this, all of this is just still really kind of confusing and boggling my mind. I don't understand how is this, how would have it been beneficial to him, you know, how would this have helped him 15 years ago for him to pretend, to pretend to be Japanese in order to make these Japanese-style, you know, comics or characters or whatever? How would that have helped him? How would that have benefited him more so than him just being his own damn self? Or was it all supposed to be an end-around? Like, yeah, let me just, you know, put this work in, in, in place under a pseudonym. And then I will pretend that, oh, I'm promoting this up-and-coming writer and giving him a shot, even though that him is me. But I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I just – so if this is such a hullabaloo, okay, if this such, it's such a problem amongst fans now, you know, coming across this revelation 15 years later or so, however many years, why – like, why is this okay? I mean, this guy, this guy's clearly sketchy. I mean, he's clearly done, you know, manipulative things to work in his favor. And this is the guy you've hired to be editor-in-chief? I mean, and yes, yes, I do see the irony. It is not lost on me that the very man that you've hired to replace Alonzo, a highly respected, you know, editor, because of all of this, you know, SJW, you know, women and, and minorities, and it's their fault. Oh, it's their fault that we're not making any money. But now you've hired a man who pretended to be Japanese to sell Japanese books. So I'm just trying to understand 
what what are we talking about here? What are, what's going let, on? Let me read this quickly um, from a comic book resources. Maybe it might edify you and our audience. I'm just going to go right to the middle. It says, um, uh, that being said, it's also important that we examine this Sobolski yeshida issue from the right perspective. At face value, Sobolski using a pen name to write comics may appear to be not that different than a fresh-faced 19-year-old Stanley Lieber using the name Stan Lee for the first time while writing some text filler for Captain America Comics number three. When Akira Yoshida becomes problematic, where Akira Yoshida becomes problematic is that this was more than just a pseudonym. Yoshida was a character unto itself, complete with a fabricated backstory, detailed in press, including a 2005 interview at CBR about how he grew up in Japan reading manga, how he would periodically travel to America with his father. Wow. <laughs> and how he learned so who English the hell by reading. Was cashing the checks? How do you pay a person that doesn't exist? That's a good question. That's, I think that's actually been addressed somewhere. Um, I mean, unless, unless, they, unless they were in on it. You know what I mean? I mean, um, uh, the, the character, the Sentry, the Sentry, who I actually liked, is like, uh, I guess, a better interpretation of of a Marvel Superman. If there's ever uh, an indication that you know Marvel and DC always go back and forth with their characters, what about ten or fifteen years ago? They had this big fabricated story about how uh, they uncovered some transcripts and that this was a character that was actually meant for the 1960s and that they discovered this in someone's attic, so they went into it. That was all fabricated. So the reality is, what you're asking is, probably Marvel was in on this whole thing. Because they've, this is not the first time they've done this kind of ish. But we're in a certain zeitgeist now, where we're, pay, we're paying more. In 2005, there really wasn't a social media the way that it is now. People are a little bit, quote-unquote, woke. It's, it's harder to... Get away with this effort. We see, listen, we see even on the, on the, uh, on the uh, sexism train, people's cars are being pulled out. So this is not the time to really do this kind of thing. I'm surprised this guy still has a job. If people still keep on hammering not at just, this issue not because – Not just has a job. Not just has a job. Has been promoted. You know what it reminds me of is um, – and, Debra, you, I'm sure you know that the journalists back in the 50s or 60s who – darkened his skin and tried to pose as a black man for journalistic uh, study or whatever? Well, yeah, that uh, was uh, a white like me, a black like me. Black, black like, me. like me, right. I forget the right. journalist's name, but right. I don't know. Was, this, was, was there some of that involved, or was he just trying to get over to, to uh, oh, no, writing no, no, some no. books? Listen, <laughs> that, no, he's just that, trying to make a buck. Well, that, that, yeah, that black like me thing was a movie, James Whitmore, 1960s. That was based on a person really doing that. And, it's, and that has been repeated. This is something totally different. I mean, Samuel, Samuel Clemens being Mark Twain, there's, there's no uh, different, differentiation in culture, in race, in, in ethnicity. This guy assumed the identity of a Japanese person. To write it wasn't Japanese just that he, books. Right. Like That's a whole characters. different story. That's a whole different thing. He, he clearly took a job away from someone of Asian descent, Japanese specifically, for a gig. That's half, 
half the ish that we're going through right now is because of this kind of thing. And it, it, we, listen, Claire's been on our show. Uh, other in, other people, other um, this has been a thing on our show. This has been a theme with our show. Our, our culture, Asian culture, people of color. This has been a long-standing effort. But it's one thing for it to be done visually. Now it's being done in print. I mean, that's a whole. That, that's meta. That's meta. It is. It is patently offensive. And for a guy but to come in, they covered it up. They knew about it. They, I, I read that he, at some point he had to come clean. He admitted it, so they knew. They kept quiet. But like you said, with social media, with all these different blogs and outlets, and and you know people digging in, asking questions, now it's come to light. Especially with the added scrutiny of the fact that he be, has become editor in chief. So my thing is, is that with everything that's going on right now. In, in, you know, the media and with, I mean, man, it don't matter who you are, okay? Matt Lauer, Harvey Weinstein, it don't matter who you are. People are being taken down. And so I'm just, I'm just kind of curious, like, why, why is this okay? I mean, it's not like he, he really, you know, I'm not trying to compare like he hurt somebody or he committed a, a crime or anything like that, but I'm just trying to understand why is this acceptable, but I remember, I'm going back a couple years now, a few years now, there was a writer, a, a female writer on some show that had to do with a um, millennial character, and the writer lied about her age. You remember this? Uh, Claire, you might remember this. She lied about her age to get a writing gig on the show, and when they found out, they fired her. Yeah. Remember that? that, that, whole, that, that it sounds that really seems, familiar. But, I have to look it up. But in comparison, so, but this that's guy like got, subtle. Say again. So in comparison, that's that's far more subtle. Age, age versus race, and ethnicity. No, I'm saying, I mean, why is this guy getting a promotion? And she, you know, if she got fired, this guy should definitely be kicking rocks. Is what well, I'm saying. Listen, the, the, the promotion came before this. Like once he's promoted, then a few days later, you hear this. This is disclosed. So I'm not sure he's he was he was promoted because of this. This is not, this is really because um, Alonzo finished his run. The 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 the, uh, the groundswell of discomfort and dissatisfaction coming from the retailers is really what's going on. Money is being lost. See, Disney slash Marvel could really give two S's because they, they've not they're not really looking at the retailing market for the print media as a big to do. Their cash cow are these damn movies and also uh, the the tchotchkes that are coming from this. All right, that's the real deal. But for for us who 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 really Grew up in the comic book store, and I've spoken. I have friends that are comic book retailers, Daryl, and we know these people. Tell you that that the comic book store is really the the uh, R and D department of all of this. The comic book store, the research development team, comes from the comic book store. The interest in these stories, uh, we're going to get into in a moment. Um, uh, Rashida Jones has been able to garner a deal as a directing deal. And her friend, Kerry Washington is going to be the producer of a comic book that I, I, I picked up um, called Goldie Vance. And I'll explain that in a minute, but you know, Goldie Vance, I, I love the comic book. It's kind of a Disney feel to it. Although it's boom out of boom studios, boom comic books, but it's, it's a, a, a little girl, not little girl, a teen girl of color is very Nancy Drew ish for the millennials, the Nancy Drew style, comic book mystery 
Disney, like a Disney feel. I don't know if it's going to be animated. I don't know if it's going to be live action. But what I'm saying is it started out as a comic book. Now, all of a sudden, the comic book has has been green-lighted, and you have Rashida Jones and Kerry Washington attached to it. But it started out as a damn comic book. So for some reason, these industries aren't respecting the print. And we know what's happening with print media in general. Taylor's going to tell you, and I've been hearing it for years, that minority books don't sell. Women-led books don't sell. So they're complaining, and they bring in this guy, the hatchet guy, and it just, it just, it's just a coincidence. It just so happens that he, pull, he pulls some effery with some yellow face. See, it, it, it's, I, I don't know how this is going to fly. Because you're, you're in a different situation now. People are going to hammer this guy. I don't know. Something about it seems patently unfair. I'll say that much. It's crazy. It's crazy. Anyway, I'm going to forego going to a, a Yuletide group. It's going to continue. We've got about 35 minutes remaining. Let's make the best of it. Folks, you're listening to The Grindhouse. Uh, the gang is all here, kind of, sort of. We have the Left Coast correspondent, Claire Lene, and we have, of course, Q Storm from Podcast Juice weighing in. The call-in number remains the same, 646-915-9620, 646 646- 915-9620. As I said at the top of the show, uh, sister has passed. Um, very unfortunate circumstances. Young woman. Uh, our condolences go out to the young lady and to the captain's family. He will be back in fine order um, next week. But uh, we did a shorter show because, well, simply he's not here. And, and the uncanny, um, he comes in on Wednesdays. So we're... Uh, making the best of it. If you'd like to give out your condolences or, 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 or um, give out what you feel comfortable in giving out, simply contact us at AfroNerd, Radio, AfroNerd blog, pardon me, AfroNerdBlog at Yahoo.com, AfroNerdBlog at Yahoo.com, and you can shout out to the captain and give, you, give him your condolences at Total Intent, the Twitter, the Twitter presence for the captain, at Total Intent, at Total Intent, Twitter. All right, um, let's let's go back to this. Um, let, let, let's uh, let, let me go into um, the Goldie Vance thing quickly, and then we, there's a, a few other things that are that are spouting off. Agents of Shield returns. Um, I'm I'm in. I'm in fully with uh, Agents of Shield. Uh, Titans TV. We got to talk about that. The Titans, as in Teen Titans, but grown Titans. We'll get into it first. Um, I mentioned Goldie Vance. Goldie Vance is a Boom Studios comic book that I bought about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago. And something about the comic book got me interested because I, I, for, when I see um, characters of color in a Disney-esque setting, it, it's attractive or something. Something about it says, okay, I got I to gotta check this out because I don't normally see Disney characters of color necessarily. So – um, it's not Disney, but it reminds you of the, the, the way that it's drawn. And it's simply a young girl, Goldie Vance, and she's a, she's a detective. She's like a wannabe detective. She, she uh, has a gig at a hotel. Her father is a manager of the hotel. And shenanigans happen at the hotel. There's all kinds of mini mysteries that happen at the hotel. And although she's there as a, as a teen staffer, she has this curiosity about her, which she's always getting her nose into stuff. But what makes it also interesting that it is very much 
a book that's a little subtle. Like I'm looking at this thing as, okay, this is a teen book, and I'm not necessarily picking out or picking up certain things. But when you read it, you start to say, hmm, okay, I'm looking at Goldie. Goldie must be a lesbian. I just noticed that. They're doing certain things. Uh, that They're subtle, but they're not so subtle. And I find that interesting. Um, you know, again, she's 16, 17 years old. Uh, she takes a liking to, a, to an older girl who runs a little shop. She's like a, a hip girl. And these two become friends. But there's an intimacy there. So you see, okay, she's a little bit – it's a progressive spin to this comic book. Um, she's also she, – her, her, her dad is black. Her mom is white. You see that she's uh, – uh, you see the different skin tones with the black characters, which I appreciate. That's something that, you know, it's funny that you have to think this way. But when you see comic books from back in the day, they made black people look all the same. And, I, and as a person, as a black person, I know Q knows this, uh, the, average black, the average black family in the Americas has different skin tones. Your mother may be darker than you, lighter than you. I mean, that's part of the black experience. It's very difficult to see a, a, a fully even-toned black family. Maybe uh, Lupita Nyong'o has that. <laughs> That's the, that's the African experience. But the African-American experience is unique. When you would see, let's say, the boondocks, you see the different palette within a black community. And I like that because it, it breaks the fourth wall. So anyway, I noticed that about her, that she's a, she was a, a little lighter complected. And then, and then you see her mother. I said, oh. But they, they, may, they do this very matter-of-factly. So anyway, I'm digging this book. A lot of subtleties. It's got a Disney kind of innocence to it, but not so innocent. And then you hear that uh, Rashida Jones, who is a perfect director for this because Rashida, uh, her mom is Peggy Lipton. She looks like a darker-hued version of her mom. Uh, Peggy Lipton was an actress in the 70s from the Mod Squad. Uh, And her dad is Quincy Jones. So she's going to have a certain insight in directing Goldie Vance. She gets the gig, I think, I think 21st Century Fox is uh, bought out, bought the, um, bought this story, and Kerry Washington is going to be going to be producing it. It's unclear as to whether this is going to be uh, an animation thing or if it's going to be live action. Personally, I would like to see it as as a, as a animated thing, only because it has a Disney look when you buy the comic book. So I don't know if if you two are familiar with this, but I I, I kind of dig that these properties are being kind of picked up. It's, 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 a, it's, a cute, it's a cute story for a comic book. It's a cute comic book story, but it also proves what we were just talking about. You can't take these comic book imprints lightly. That these, you know, God, what happens if you shut down the comic book store? <laughs> I mean, that's the irony. What happens if you, if you stop investing in comic book stores and in comic, book, uh, comic books, and then you... Uh, how, how do you get a, how do you get something like this greenlighted? You know what? Um, I, I'm not familiar with this property. Uh, I'm going to Google it as soon as we wrap up. But um, it makes me wonder uh, it's, um, what it takes to get your property um, licensed or, or in, in get to the movie treatment. Because you've been talking about um, Erica Alexander's property for some time, and oh man, seems like no movement no movement on that yet, huh? Yeah, you know, listen, I, I uh, spoke to um, – to, to, I never met Eric Alexander, but I met her husband, Tony Perrier. 
And uh, he would say bluntly, I got to get him on the show. It's just a, it's laziness on my part. But he has said that he would go, he and his wife would go and pitch, have these pitch meetings explaining it. And the end result was, well, you know, uh, black folks aren't into the science fiction thing. They're not, you know, they, they just can't wrap their heads around it. And, and it, it amazes me. And it's, it's patently offensive, really. Uh, I'm thinking of this. I'm, gonna, I'm kind of, you know, speaking extemporaneously, but uh, I'm thinking of Robert Kirkman's. I want to mention this. Rob, Robert Kirkman has a, a great TV series on AMC called The Secret History of Comic Books. And matter of fact, tomorrow, to our listening audience, tomorrow they're going to talk about Milestone Media. So check out Monday's episode of The Secret History of Comic Books. But the preceding episodes had uh, Wonder Woman, and we know about – we've talked about Wonder Woman's backstory uh, so many times on the show. Um, Charles uh, Moulton – William Moulton Marsden. Uh, and they talked about Stanley Lieber and King Kirby, and they talked about Siegel and Schuster. Siegel and, Sch- Siegel and Sch- uh, Schuster's story is – I mean, again, these are young Jewish – Kids in the 30s, and how they signed away their proper signed away their rights essentially to Superman, and how they were screwed over, and and they were and, and when they were shopping Superman, everybody didn't get Superman. They were they were they they, they shopped out they, as young men. They shopped Superman and they were declined. So this idea that people uh, will tell you with such confidence that something isn't going to work is laughable. I can't believe you. I just, I mean, just, it, anything can work at this, at this point. Superman is a multi, well, <laughs> it's having some problems now. But let's, say, let's be honest. Superman is a multi-billion dollar idea. A multi-billion dollar idea. And someone said, many people said, ah, oh, no, nah, nah, these guys, they, they, these guys, go away. So you're right. For them to shop a Goldie Vance and for it to be green-lighted, I don't know how it gets done, and I don't know, and I don't know how that gets done, and a concrete park. That, that's the book you're referencing. How co- concrete park doesn't get done now after the after the success of Black Panther, you might see these same jokers knocking down Erica Alexander and Tony Perrier's door. You might. It would make sense. I'm just saying. I wouldn't you're be surprised. I wouldn't, I wouldn't surprise. be surprised after after come this February if there's going to be a, a, a an influx, a demand for more you know Afrocentric comic book stories. So let's hope, let's hope and pray that that's exactly what's going to happen. You know, a few months from now, Erica and Tony are going to be busy trying to you know develop the script, get that optioned get a production, a development deal, all that jazz. But in terms of how does anything get, get done? Well, I mean, you gotta have you got to have somebody with uh, the money and a name attached. you got to have somebody that has power attached. Because as soon as they say, hey, I just read this, I love it, give it to my agent, give it to my manager, let's make this happen, you know, Carrie's you know, going to produce. I'm going to direct. I'm going to do this. I'll do that. Then you got to have somebody like that who has a strong, passionate interest in it to develop it. Well, you know, to your point, Claire, I mean, Erica, 
it was only a, it was only a, a minor part, but she stole the scene. She was in one of the biggest grossing films this year. Get out. Seemed like that would would have uh, had people knocking on her door right there. I would have yeah, thought but... so, and maybe maybe at some point she and and Jordan and all. I mean, because Jordan for sure has been put on the map. Jordan's life has completely changed. I mean, he is up for you know, potential Golden Globe nominations, potentially an Oscar nomination, because that movie has literally been the highest grossing movie of of the year. By by uh by standards of which in terms of how much the movie cost versus how much the movie made. That's what I'm talking about. Anyway, um I hear yeah, I hear what you're saying. And and maybe maybe, you know, while while we're talking, as we speak She's trying to get something going. Maybe stuff is cooking, you know? Folks, hold on, because from the mirror universe, (laughs) Claire's doppelganger is actually... Yo. The Uncanny. How are you guys doing? My brother. What's up, man? How are you? Uh, Relaxing. I had 20 minutes, so I figured to call and listen in. He's back. Yeah, for the moment. (laughs) This is his hologram that's speaking, I think. <laughs> well, he, hey, he put me on the map with Clark Gregg, so I, I ain't mad at him. <laughs> hey, oh, yeah, well, yeah, you, yeah. Saw, you, you saw what I put out. I made sure to put uh, all the members of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that I had and have spoken to. I put them all on there. So there you go. It's up to you now. For, forge those, those good relationships. I, w- I um, wish Ming Na would have would have would have replied. That would have been my uh, Harlem Night Sunshine moment if she had. I, I, I don't I don't even want to talk about Ming Na. I've been following Ming Na since she was with Wesley Snipes and whatever that movie there was. And also when she's on, um, on, I just got I just got a thing for her. I don't know. There's something about her. She 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 is mature, but she doesn't. She looks the same. She's fine. She's, I'll, I'll keep it like she's that. She's 52 and fine every ounce. It's all about she's real attractive, man. Go ahead. And she did she did all of that. In the the first double episode with a, on a surgically repaired knee, she did those scenes. That I loved how they wrote it into the story. Yeah, but she was actually coming off a of surgery in real life and did those scenes. You know what? Um, I want to ask you because I, I know time is of the essence. But uh, I want to ask you a little bit about Goldie Vance, and then I want to let's, let's just jump into Agents of Shield. Uh, what are your thoughts about this about Goldie Vance? being optioned with well more than option because we see that Rashida Jones is attached to it and Kerry Washington do you th- what are your impressions of this and do you think it might be better as a cartoon or a live action Darryl? I think it could work it could work either way it could work either way and I'm hoping they don't do what Disney's done with the Marvel young adult properties I mean I collected all of Goldie Vance I put friends onto Goldie Vance it was it 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 may have looked like oh this was kiddish, but it dealt with some very adult subjects, right? Yeah. And and it it will be it it will hit. I'll I'll go out on that ledge again. It will hit people like Big Hero Six hit people. But, you know, you, know, you li- didn't I'm, expect it to get that deep. I like the fact that it's it's a woman of color who is kind of a Nancy Drew, and it's got a kind of an in- innocence to it. So I mean, it, there's, there's aspects of it to me that I think play play for somewhat of a Pixar vibe. 
Maybe because yeah. of the way it's visually drawn. What, I, what drew me to that comic book was that, wow, this is a black girl in a Disney-esque setting. That's the first thing that I, got me involved. And you know what? I wouldn't even say she's totally black. I would go Afro-Latina because if you read the books, there is a, a large Latina-type bent to it, too. So I, you could even put Afro-Latina into that. It's a, it's a lot going. Plus, the, you know, her relationship with, with the older, I mean, they're dating. And they do it very, they don't, like, throw you, like, wow, this is, these are two girls. They made it very, like, matter-of-fact sort of, very kind of an innocent vibe to it. Yep. They, didn't, they didn't, like, so, broadcast it. So, folks, if you, if you, again, Boom's got, uh, I think it's three collections of the series. I, it wasn't ongoing. They stopped. They, they just did it three. Uh, the, the artist, Brittany Williams, on it is a woman of color. Um, and I think who, who's the writer? Uh, Harp, Hope Larson. Jody. Hope Larson. Yeah, Hope Larson. And Hope Larson, I've talked to on Twitter a couple of times just as the series thinks, because I didn't expect to like that book that much. <laughs> and it hit me. I actually mistakenly picked it up when I couldn't get the Arch, uh, Archie issue, and I picked up number one, and I got hooked. So don't let me say it got adult-type stories dissuade you. If you have a young girl or stuff like that, there are no dumb characters in this book. It is a very intelligently written book. I would agree. It's, it's, it's unassuming, to be honest with you. Let's, let's, again, because of time constraints, let's get into this um, season five of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in space. Uh, wow. Daryl, you take the lead. What, I mean, even the CGI, this thing's going on. It's, it, it has a different feel. I, I mean, I don't know what to think about this thing. Um, wait, wait. The banter can, can is we... there. Yeah, but, could we go? Could we go back to Q's first tweet when he saw it, of talking about what Max said? Uh-uh. Yeah, I was gonna go there. Uh-uh. I, 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 I know how these things said. We all know who's the first one to go. Yeah. You know? I love that the writers put that in. I don't know who that was, if it was a brother or not, but wow. <laughs> go ahead. I hey, thought that hey. he was hilarious. I mean, honestly, when. When uh, Colson is like, "Geez, Mac, how hard did you hit him?" and the look on his face, <laughs> like, "What do you mean, how as hard as I possibly could?" That's why it's called a punch. Mac is about his business. Mac is about that business. Okay. Listen, I ain't got time. I don't have time. Listen, Henry Simmons. Yo, the last two seasons, you have totally stolen this show. You know, it was all about Daisy. It was, it was, uh, it was all about the Calvary. It was all about Colson. The last two seasons, or should I say, the last season and a half, it, it has been all Mac because Mac has had the best lines. We'll, we'll split up and then and, and freaking get uh, uh, search more ground, dude. Have you ever seen these movies? Split up. No, no, can I, no, no, no. Can I just say, uh, Henry Simmons? I used to he used to be on one uh, NYPD Blue or think something like that. That's cor- that's true. That's correct. But, yes. But he last season, that dude. I don't. The scene was a brief scene, but he should have been Emmy nominated for the scene where they're in the framework 
and he is sitting there trying to comfort his daughter as she disappears. Yeah, and that shot of him when she's completely gone, Emmy. I said it, Emmy. He should have got that Emmy right there. And and Natalie Cordova listens to us, and 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 she's a real good sport. The scene where they're talking Spanish while they're being tortured, I was cracking up. I'm like, they're about to die, but this is too hilarious. This is way too hilarious. But here, here's the one, and folks, I just want to let you know, you know this first episode was a callback to what's going to happen in Infinity War, right? If things go that. wrong. Of course. I've heard I, this. I, what, what is this now? I've heard this, but I didn't get the connection. Yeah, because remember, each season has a connection to what's going on in the movie, if you pay close attention. Okay. They're, they're different this season, they kicked it off right away with that connection. So Yeah, that's see, what I thought was real interesting, because in other situations, they kind of had to let certain things develop, certain things were either very subtle, super subtle, like with Thor, The Dark World, or it could be something that was a game changer, like Captain America, Winter Soldier, and then you go back to the TV series, and it's like, oh, my God, Hydra has taken over S.H.I.E.L.D., and everybody's a traitor, and all this stuff, it kind of upended. And now, literally from jump, from the season opener, we're in cosmic territory. Already, it's like, dang, you guys are going to really use this show to completely lead up to Infinity War. Yeah, well, the, the fact that there's no Earth, the first when I first saw that, I said, oh, this got to be this has got to be a Thanos issue. <laughs> like in other words, if there's no Earth, uh, that that led me directly to Infinity War. Now, what I found interesting is that on on Google or on the internet, everyone's kind of going in a different direction. Like they're trying to say, well, this proves that this has nothing to do. Like if you, if there's any evidence that the, that the uh, TV TV properties and the NCU are, are not really connected. This is it. And I said, what are they talking about? There's quite a few articles that are going in the opposite direction. I said, if there's no Earth and they were, they were uh, transported to the future, that must mean that whatever happened in Infinity War, at least tentatively, uh, is, uh, we, we lost. That's what, that's what I got. So I think that's a clear connection. I, I don't know why everybody else is thinking the opposite. I'm a little confused well, on that. They're all going. They're all going off of what uh, the guy who's supposed to be Star Lord but isn't Star Lord said to 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 Sky. Daisy. Or, He's me, basically Daisy. saying, "Oh, it's your fault, Quake. You're the one that destroyed the Earth." Oh, I saw that. That's why that. people but, are kind of confused. Yeah, but the problem is they mentioned it in Jump that they don't have whole databases left. They got fractures. Right. Okay? And if the team disappears on the eve of Thanos attacking Earth or whatever, you know, and things go wrong, of course there'd be some people saying that, well, S.H.I.E.L.D. wasn't there, well, the, and they had an inhuman on their team, and then, of course somebody's going to say something like that. But, but this, is where, this is where this gets to be fun. By them being in the future and not having all the information and stuff, it gives them a wide open play playground for plots here until they come back. My only question is, why wasn't Fitz taken? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Can I ask a real quick question, Debert? I yeah. was curious why why are they all why are all of the humans 
regarding the agents of shield like they're gods or like they are legendary people yeah bits bits and pieces of information dude they don't have the full story they they think of them as uh, uh, gods and heroes and some of them you think of them as troublemakers and the reason why they're in this situation we saw both of that there i love the call out to logan's run with the the sensors in the wrist i love hmm. the call out to um well, of course, the alien call-out, all right? Using Verlaxians, that's cool, but you, uh, hey, visually, you guys made them look like the Brood. So well, you know what? I you think thinking it was the Brood one time. I, I, yeah, that Brood, the Brood, I could see. The, the, the sensors in the wrist, I guess that is, I, I could see that, but I remember Logan's Run. Logan's Run, they had, like, these crystals in, the, in their hands that if it turned <laughs> a different color, like if it turned white, that meant that you, you aged out. That's another, that's another property that was supposed to be brought back, but, I mean, we, we will see. They're mining all kinds of properties to bring back, so I don't know why not Logan's Run. But I, I see where you're going with it. Um, but in answer to your question, Q, what my thinking is, well, you know, listen, the S.H.I.E.L.D. Is, is a pretty big deal. You've you got to put S.H.I.E.L.D. in the same regard as any of Earth's heroes. So for them to be uh, hearkening back to the past, they're looking at these people as their saviors. And, and actually, the character that we assumed is dead. I don't know if it's written in stone that he is actually dead, but the character that was taken by, quote-unquote, the Roaches, he was able to bring these people back from the past. So his, he was always talking to them that, I'm going to bring these people, and they're going to save us. So I think they're leading, they're, you know, they, they, they do hold them in high regard because, you know, it's so many uh, – I don't know how long, how many years. It could be a couple of hundred years in the past that he went to to pull these people. They talked about how they were dressed. It's like pulling somebody from the 1800s. But and the, the goal, the, the goal, the goal for here had nothing to do with the gold people in Guardians of the Galaxy too, did they? Or was that just no, a... no, 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 no. Okay. no. It's just ceremonial. Uh, okay. Who had it the, like the, that? The uh, more important thing is that they're blue. The blue, they're the Cree. So, right. and also they're probably going to, and I think they did mention because the Cree created the Inhumans. Right. So that that's going to be probably referenced at some point. They're going to be Easter eggs in this thing. So I, my interest is, will we see a season six or a season seven? I mean, this has been, you know, a long-running thing. It, it's, it's Disney absorbing the loss of the, lo- the financial loss that uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of represents. But, you know, they make enough money that for story purposes, they kind of need them to be there. I don't know how long they're going to keep on doing that. Maybe as long as these, we get a couple more billion-dollar pictures. I don't see why not. If, if if Black Panther makes eight hundred fifty million, and eight, uh, Infinity War makes one point four billion, I'm pretty sure we'll see another two seasons, if not more. I, I, why not? The money is is, is cake. Uh, if if uh, if Wasp and um, and Ant Man makes seven hundred million, come on, highly likely. <laughs> we got about nine minutes remaining. Unfortunately, folks, the listening audience, you have a shorter show. But we're trying to make the best of it. Uh, let's move things forward still. I got a, a chance to check out this, this um, Robin's costume for Titans TV. And the whole thing is, first of all, the costume did look badass, I will confess. And this is, this is Robin, perhaps a past version, where because we're assuming Titans is going to be Nightwing's story. But the thing that we must be reminded of is that this is going to be for not the CW. This is going to be for DC's 
DC uh, DC sole streaming platform. So you have w, the WB has has a platform, and DC is going to be separate separate unto that. So that's the part that kind of nags at me. It's like, how many streaming services are we supposed to be paying for? So they they're not going to do TNT. That's totally no, off no, the no. table. No, what they said is this is going to be for DC's streaming services. That uh, when we see uh, Young Justice and this and some other show, they're going to be appearing on that platform. Hmm. Okay, that's, that's, that's going to be interesting. Yeah. Well, again, yeah, you give the fans what they want, and then you pull it away and say, "Pay us." Yeah, well, they, listen, I'll be the first to say, if they bring back Justice League that we know and love, I would pay to see that if they brought that back. Maybe updated it, but the same people for that specific format. The fans that really want to see that version, I mean, I'm not into this Justice League action. I tolerate it. But 10-minute episodes, that's clearly for kids. Bring back the original team. That's my wish. I'm just saying. Hmm. Well, uh, the way the way I look at it is the the Robin costume that 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 looks like a blend of uh, of uh, T- uh, Dick and Tim's costumes. That's what what it looked like on thing. I got into an argument with a cosplayer who likes to cosplay as Starfire, talking about him in the role, and I say the one thing I got to give Brandon Twaits about this is he has been totally enthusiastic as pl- to play Dick Grayson. I only hope that comes across. All right? And if it doesn't come across, if you don't feel emotionally for, for Dick Grayson, if there's no sparks between him and Corey at all, then you should have used another Robin. Wait, wait, you, you had people complaining that this is going to be an, a, a, a black woman portraying uh, Coriander. If I remember her name correctly, Starfire, yes. and I'm like, wait a minute, this is an alien. Anybody can play an alien. There's one thing to oh, this we can talk about color coded, color coding, correction, whatever. But now you have people that are upset that a person of color plays an alien. Really? Yeah. You know, Gamora? Anybody? Really? Yep. White yeah, folks. Listen, white folks want everything. Even the aliens <laughs> are the aliens are white underneath. They just know this. It's, it's like hey, ridiculous. It's it's a simple fact of the matter. Psychotic, that, man. No, it's simple fact of the matter. It, it, we're not in the 1950s anymore. Okay? They're bringing us back. But they're trying to bring us back. You got it in one. There it goes. You know, it, they can't stand that we're intelligent and forceful and capable of leadership. <coughs> Star Trek Discovery. They can't stand Obama, that we're forceful. We're, <laughs> Obama. We're, we're forceful, and we and and anybody can lead. <clears throat> Dark matter. You know they they can't stand the fact that oh it, it, characters too masculine. We got to tone them down. <clears throat> Arrow. You know so you know uh, they got to they got to uh, shiver us in some way, and I, I I know you guys hit on it before, but I didn't get chance to touch on it. Thank you, CW, for the crossover. That is the closest to Mr. Terrific from the comics that you've ever gotten. Yes, and the story And the story was great. And you know what? 
uh, Melissa Benoit, if she, or Benoit, she doesn't need to be good the Supergirl anymore. She was more interested at, as a bad guy. I will say oh my that. God. I I, that thank you. <laughs> thank you. That's what I was noticing, the same thing about what happened with um, uh, Laurel, Laurel Lance. When they had her come back, you know, intermittently as her doppelganger, as um, instead of um, instead of uh, Black Canary, she was like Black Siren. I was like, dang, I like this. Same thing, same thing. Instead of, you know, no, not to get me wrong, I don't think that, I don't think it would necessarily be the worst thing in the world to to have a little bit of darkness. But I will say that when I saw this Nazi, you know, version um, of uh, Kara as over, over girl, I guess, instead of super girl, I was like, okay, Melissa, all right, this is sexy as hell. Do your thing, girl. Do your thing. Be evil. Be bad. Be bad. Because that's the thing. Sometimes when they do the goody two shoes, it can be a little, it can be a little bit off-putting at times. Did anyone catch the daughter, Barry Allen's? I think that might have been excess, uh, Daryl. Yeah, I that? would have a, I would have a major problem with that one because Why not? he doesn't have. DC doesn't have that many black heroines as it is, and you flip color change her. I I would find that more. No, 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 no. That woman, well, that 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 girl's a woman of color. She's not white. I know. But Wait, okay, whoa, whoa, slow down. Who are you talking about? There right, was a, there was there, there was a point in in if you notice this when they were going to to the wedding, like when the wedding was starting, there was a there was like a a, a girl at the wedding, like someone who's like uh a, not a like you know a helper at the wedding. That said to, to Barry, you know, it was like, you know, she touched, she, she touched Barry's arm, and said some oh, kind words. Like, I'm, I'm, she I'm was glad like one of the it. caterers. Right, right. Thank you. She was a caterer, and she had said uh, something about, "I'm glad to to kind of witness this." It was an awkwardly worded thing, and I looked at her right okay, away. I remember so, seeing it before, and I noticed that she was she was biracial. So I looked wait, at her. So, okay, but yeah, but that okay, that I, did bother me. What? What? Who is she? What is her I'd significance? I'd rather her be Dawn Allen. Don't make her excess. Be Dawn well, isn't Allen. It, be, but is it is it excess? Uh, isn't excess the the daughter of those two, or is she a granddaughter? No, excess is the granddaughter. Because Dawn Allen, Dawn Allen married a uh, uh, I want to say Ugandan man, and uh, and you got Jenny Ognat, who was excess with the SW6 Legion in the nineties. But that's why I don't want it to be excess. Don't well, let me make explain. Excess. Let make me explain to Claire because we, we, we could talk to we could talk to Insider even for Claire. Um, I see we're going to go over in the shoulder. We'll, we'll give it a couple more minutes because <laughs> this is what happens. Excess is a, is a speedster of color in the future, right? And she is part of the Barry and Barry Allen lineage. She's I think she's actually the granddaughter of Iris yes. and Barry Allen, right? And we see we've seen her have some play in some of the uh, some of the earlier comic books, I think in the late nineties or whatever, or mid nineties during she, the Wade I, run. Right. So when I already knew the way that she was talking to him, he didn't pick it up. He didn't pick up on it. I picked on it. Like, oh wait a minute, she was wording it as if I'm visiting. This is like a museum thing. I always wanted to see this. That made me see. That made me think she was a time traveler, and the fact that well, she was, you could tell clearly 
that her parentage was probably uh, black and white, I said, oh, okay, wait a minute. She's got to be related to Barry. He doesn't realize it yet. I picked up on it right away. Well, it was part You're saying was that subtle. she is potentially, you're saying that she is a speedster from the future and that she yes. is Barry and Iris's daughter? Or granddaughter. Or granddaughter. granddaughter. Uh, 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 well, I'm hoping daughter. Uh, uh, but here it is. Here's the thing no one's con- considering. Two things, and then I'm out of your guys' here. The first thing is, remember what Wells said? There was, there's 52 planets. No, actually, there's 53, including Earth-X. And each planet has a Krypton, and each one has a Kara. That means in the regular Arrowverse, in their regular universe, there's a Krypton, and there's a Supergirl. We haven't seen that yet. Remember, this Supergirl is in another universe. So that's A, no one caught on to that. And B... Remember what the storyline was in Supergirl before the Earth-X thing with uh, Monel coming back and he was in the future and you just brought Irma back who's actually Saturn Girl? So the chances that we have Legion plots in both Supergirl and Flash about to unfold is what now? Just think about that, people. I'm throwing that out there. Just, just think hard. <laughs> Well, I'm excited well, uh, to see what's up with that chick, Rain. Yeah. Because um, I really, I really like that actress, and I really like what she's done so far to build that character to make her sympathetic. But yeah, I'm excited to see what happens with her. Imagine a smart Bizarro. And yeah. when I say smart Bizarro, no, you know what? Not even Bizarro. A smart Eradicator, which is going really insider, and I'll have to explain that to people later. But an eradicator for Kara. That's what Rain is essentially. You know something else. About, something else about the Supergirl mythology on TV is that that now we're kind of getting away from her mining all of Superman's villains and Superman's kind of storylines, and now she's establishing her own. Actually, this season you're you're kind of establishing her own personality. It, it is becoming distinct. From Clark, and I think Clark yep. might even make an appearance. Is Clark? I would have liked to have seen Clark actually in his Crisis Earth X. I thought he was coming at some point. I actually thought, I mean, isn't he? I think that actor's coming back for some reason. Well, I I heard rumors that he's supposed to be in later this year for a two-parter at least. Again, Clark stops by. I don't know. That's probably going to be Rain's going to be messing Kara up, and she goes to him and the family for advice or something. But I, 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 I got to repeat this. We're going to go a couple of minutes after. We're already in the podcast format, but it is what it is. Um, I would be highly surprised I, if they just believe they just like failing. I can't. I can't imagine that uh, DC trying to correct itself that they're not going to mine what works. The, the, the crisis on Earth X and all that stuff. The CW, you know, the Berlanti versus expanding for Christ's sake. You know, it's going into it's going into a, a separate streaming service. It, it, you got uh, Black Lightning coming. The Black Lightning comic book was released a few weeks ago. I mean, all these things are going on that are successful cinematically, except this, except for the movies. And for them to just keep just to keep on digging this ditch, it, it would it would it would be shocking. It would be shocking. I, I don't get it. I want to see digging Grant Gustin their on own Big grave, man. Digging their own grave, and that was probably one of the weirdest things I remember seeing of Cyborg and Flash. 
uh, a freaking cyborg, a robot, and a speedster digging a grave slowly. Oh, my so God. Like, what yeah. in the <laughs> hell is this? What was that scene? What was that? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, like I said, like I said, I didn't totally love Justice League. There were parts where I was like, huh? Yo, folks, Cyborg can techno-change his body, and Flash can use super speed, and they're using regular shovels. Like, well, uh, you know what? That's something else, too. And I, I want to go to another topic quickly. But we saw that under um, our friend David Walker's run, that they finally had him where he was able to switch out of being a cyborg, and he, he could actually generate, I guess, his, his skin. He could become a normal human if he wants to. We saw that. Matter of fact, he has, he has a girlfriend. What, what's her name, Daryl? Um, Who's a female cyborg? Latina? Uh, yeah. I forgot uh, her name. But she had, yeah. he, he, had to, he had to show her. Uh, listen, I was hammering uh, David Walker. I said, listen, I gotta, this brother, gotta, he got to get some coffee. Pardon my friend. He got to get some coffee. We, ha- we can't have this man. <laughs> listen, I don't like when they, when they, when they uh, make, the, make the black males into eunuchs. This is, this is not, you, you know how I get down. And that character, a lot of people find Cyborg somewhat offensive because he's kind of, he, he's kind of stuck. He, he's a eunuch, literally, he's a eunuch. So when he was able to kind of change into his human form at will, he showed his girlfriend that she could do that, and those two got down in the comic books. So I, I, if they ever, if we ever see a, 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 a Cyborg movie, at this point, <laughs> that might not ever happen. Uh huh. Yeah. But so we never, we never saw him do that. They need, we need because to see DC him do fans that. Because can't film. support this. Again, I said it before online. People got mad at me. Okay, and I'll leave after saying this. All right. Listen, if you guys put as much energy in supporting your films as you did hating us, when actually we're helping support you. Yeah. I, 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 I'm not getting no paycheck from Rotten Tomatoes. You guys getting paychecks from Rotten Tomatoes? That no. means I have my own brain. We're open to it, though. <laughs> all right? Yeah, we're open to it. But, hey, we all tolerated the movie with the exception of Q. We tolerated it. I didn't, I didn't say, oh, it was awesome. But I, I said that we tolerated the movie, okay? And I still get people saying that, oh, oh you guys were just trying to sabotage it. Get the hell but out of here. that's the thing. Like, I don't understand. I mean, I know we've said this for years. I mean, literally, years. But when I saw, and I saw it all at once, like, I saw it, like, just in order, the four parts, okay, of the crisis on Earth X. So that means Supergirl, Arrow, Flash, Legends. I saw it completely in order. And I got to tell you that if they put even an ounce of the complexity into what they did with all those characters working together, using each other's powers and abilities, you know, as a team. I mean, if they just put an ounce, a fraction of the effort they did to put all that together as they could have with Justice League, I mean, we could have ended up with a much better freaking movie. 
but they're scared to do it. They don't want to cross the TV with the films because wow. they figure their fan base will get con- uh, confused. Oh, they don't, they don't want to see that. What does that say about what Warner Brothers thinks of their fan base? So, guys, I'm out. I got to get back to work. Enjoy. And you know where you guys can direct your hate tweets to. Adios, guys. <laughs> All right, Daryl. Thank you, man. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Daryl, showing up on a grindhouse, who would have thunk it? <laughs> Uh, I'm sure he will will be back at some point. Um, to a listening audience, you're already in the podcast section. We had a shorter show. Um, one more topic, and then we'll close shop. Uh, I do feel a certain way when we have these short shows. There's so much we like to get it in, so we'll be back next week doing it like we don't always do it. Uh, kind of revisiting this thing. I don't know what to think. I hope it does go down. Some people don't think it's going to go down, but it appears that Disney and Fox have resumed talks, and I'm hearing that they that we might hear something more definitive by the end of 2017 and 2017 is a matter of weeks. So I, I find it hard to believe, but then, then again, these talks have been going on uh, er, much earlier than I think it was once disclosed. They, they might've been talking for a year and a half, these two companies. And we're also hearing that uh, Comcast is still kind of edging in there. I want Comcast to go away. I want these guys to do what they need to do to bring the Marvel family back as a family. So the house of ideas. So what are your thoughts about this, uh, Q and, and, and Claire? Um, is, this, is this kind of kind of an expected thing? I mean, we know about antitrust laws. We know about um, uh, AT&T and, and um, what's the other company? AT&T and, and Warner Brothers. So the government and, and miraculously uh, Trump has an issue with that merger. But this is That's kind of in the same – yeah, I know. <laughs> this is this is the way the country is right now, Claire. I can't even. It is what it is. I know. I know. Q got on me about representing um, a conservative viewpoint, but it's, to me, it's like everybody is 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 open to being uh, duplicitous. So I don't know what to say personally. Anyway, that's that's for a Wednesday. <laughs> well, that's a Wednesday discussion, and I'll bring it up on Wednesday. But for the purposes of of this thing, um, I. Disney, Disney wants a streaming service. They want to compete with Netflix. There's no way that's not going to happen unless they get Fox content. So I don't know how, they, how this, this deal can't go through. This silver and black thing is going to – this debacle seems to be going. I mean – Well, that, that's I, not I, them. That's not I know, them. But I'm, I know, but I'm saying I need something that I know is going to work. <laughs> that's why I'm, I'm more on this. Sony's going to do their ish. At least let me have some sanity if they bring mostly everybody under the same tent. Fantastic Four could work. I want that to happen. I'm just saying. I I feel like I remember we had this conversation, and I'm pretty sure Daryl and the captain and myself, I forget where Claire landed, but I think we said we were a little leery about having all these um, mergers because it creates – you know, it's it's a it's a sliding scale to monopolies, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that. I, I'd rather them do what Sony did with Marvel, team up and let Spider when they let Spider Man Marvel play with Spider Man. Let let um have Fox let Marvel use Fantastic Four and stay separate. I mean, and if they're talking about other streaming services, I mean, CBS All Access got my money, and I'm sitting around here twiddling my thumbs for a month waiting for. January to start for Star Trek Discovery, and then when those six episodes are done, 
I'm twiddling my months with this paying uh, $6 a month until 2019. So I don't know. I, I think people are going to I mean, start to get like streaming biggest, fatigue. That's the biggest scam ever. I'm sorry, but that's how I feel about that. I mean, because in terms of that, I'm just going to comment on CBS real quick. Like, to me, that's absurd. I'm not going to give you money, CBS. I'm not going to pay you, CBS, for one damn show. Get the hell out of here. Get the hell out of here with that mess. And then, of course, there's a huge hiatus between this break and then when they come back next year. I mean, give me a break. I'm not going to give you free money. I'm not just going to pay you money for nothing. For Oh, give me a break. Give me a break. No, nah, no. Nah. So in terms of Disney creating their own streaming site, I get it. You want your own application. You want, you want your own channel, basically, that has everything under one umbrella. You can do it. I believe that you can do it. In and of itself, it will start out limited if you only have Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, and Pixar. But that's still quite a bit. That's still quite a bit. I certainly see myself paying for that more so than I would ever pay for CBS. So I understand where they're going with this, and I understand why to them the goal is to accumulate and build up their IP, build up that library of content. I totally get it. In terms of why this potentially could work with Fox, because Fox, sadly, even though 20th Century Fox now is known as 21st Century Fox, sadly, you know, this was originally a powerhouse movie studio. But over the years, business model has changed, and the Murdochs are now more focused on News Corp and, and, and sports. So in terms of, you know, where they see their, their priorities and where they see – because the thing about the movie biz, it's just, you know how, it, it's tricky. It's so tricky because a lot of these movies, man, it's like make or break, you know. I mean, look what's going on with the, the all these other tent poles. I mean, all the money that's going into them and all the money that's not being made and it's considered a bomb or a failure. or And sadly, I'm just now finding this out, and it makes so much sense. The reason why Hollywood accounting is able to sustain itself the way it has is because it literally is all or nothing when it comes to these tentpole types of movies. They either have to make gangbusters kind of money or they don't want it to make any money at all. If if it's going to not do well, they they want it. They would prefer it to bomb because they can write it off. They can write it off as a loss. But if the movie does just okay, you know, like it's kind of middle of the road, it's just kind of, yeah, it's doing all right, it's not great, you know, it's not terrible, then that is what they fear the most because then they can't write it off. What money that they've earned, that's it. That's it. That's all you get. And in this case, if you spent upwards of $300 million gazillion dollars for your movie, then yeah, then it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt because you were really trying to recoup not only that, but try to make a profit. So anyway, the Murdochs are now considering shutting down and closing out shop for, for television, movies, cable, satellite, streaming, and, and perhaps 
do a garage sale. Do a garage sale. Sell off those assets and build up the news and sports divisions. So now it's like, oh, well, it seems like both sides have certain priorities and that this deal could benefit both. This deal is not the same thing as AT&T trying to buy Time Warner for $85 billion because this particular deal between Disney and Fox is not technically a merger. It's not a buyout. It's just a garage sale. It's just, you know, and it's just a, an, an acquisition of assets. So I, I do think that there's potential for it to go through. But like many of you, just like what Q said, I'm also a little leery of it, not just in terms of a, a business monopoly, but creatively, creatively, the brand. It's been very steadfast that Disney will allow certain, you know, things in their TV side to take risks and go dark, like with Daredevil and Punisher. You got a lot of blood and violence in that. But for film, MCU, for film, all their movies have never been rated R, have never had adult, like, rated R, violent, overly sexual content. So if it does go through... How likely is it that we would ever be able to see another type of Deadpool or Logan? So that's where I feel a little reticent about this acquisition. But, of course, you tell me that they get to have Fantastic Four and, you know, the, the, the core X-Men, and that, then, yeah, of course, there is some upsides of, of things to be excited about. But we'll see. We'll see. But it looks more and more likely to happen at this point. I gotta say quickly, um, Sean Christopher, who was in our chat room, I didn't I didn't notice this, but he's just giving us an update on the box office figures. He says that Justice League was five hundred and sixty seven million as of this this weekend. So five sixty seven and Thor is eight hundred and sixteen. So we're talking about roughly like almost three hundred million dollars difference between Justice League and Thor. I mean that's pretty. That that's like. I mean, listen. If Justice League made eight hundred sixteen million, at least it would have been like, all right, we, he, they lived to see another day. Maybe it still would have been great. To be honest with you, if it if it made eight hundred million dollars, Justice League, it still would be considered uh, a loss. But five sixty seven, I don't even know what the, I don't even know what that is. That's not even breaking even. I mean, they, they, I think they they need to make eight hundred million just to be, just to be kind of. Copacetic, just to be okay. They're not going to make that. They're not going to make that. Not within its full theatrical run. They will be lucky if they hit six fifty. Yeah. Well, I, I just say this. That's something else. When, when Marvel, when you, if you're DC and Marvel releases a two and a half minute trailer, and it wipes away all talk of your feature-length film that was only out at, for two weeks, you got problems. Yeah, well, 230 million views in 24 hours. That's it. I mean, that's it. I mean, they've actually used that as a metric when it comes down to potential box office. That is getting into 
uh, Titanic money, potentially, is getting into Star Wars money. 230 million views in 24 hours is a, it's, it's a good measuring stick. Very good. And imagine I mean, those are ticket sales, $12, $12 a piece. You've already come close to beating what Justice League made in its, what, three-week run? It's, it's, uh, it is embarrassing. And I, I don't know what they're going to do. And we, we already talked about the dark universe. The dark universe is already turning tail, scared. You know, the, the oh, uh, monster dead. universe. That's you know. dead. That's dead on arrival. But, but, but the funny thing is, those movies have kind of sort of made money. The Mummy made money. It, wasn't criti- it was critically panned, but it's, it's more survivable than this Justice League thing. Th- That's simply because EU. China still loves Tom Cruise. Yeah. You know, uh, one quick thing, and then we'll close shop. I, I don't know what to think about this. I, I hope it's true. I know what you're going to say. Yeah. I know what you're going to say. Some people are saying it's a setup. I don't, I don't know. Maybe some, there's some things going on we don't know. Or maybe it's, it's Marvel being very slick and shrewd, and, and I think it's a good thing to do. But courtesy of Sergio Mims's Shadow and Act website, they broke this story like uh, early November. I'm just catching up on it now. But pur- purportedly, Chadwick Boseman was named at some ceremony, some some kind of uh, movie movie uh, event or, or movie, you know, some kind of movie event at uh, courtesy of, of the of chi- the Chinese government, where. Uh, he's supposed to be the number one actor in China, Chadwick Boseman. So I'm like, now, what? What? Now remember what the when uh, the Koreans hacked Amy Pascal's server, and what did she say about Denzel Washington? Wasn't that in regards to China? How he wouldn't sell overseas or something in China? Well, yeah. Yeah. Well. Now, how do you listen, reconcile I... those two? Someone tell me. <laughs> well, well, listen, we. Listen, I, I'm trying to be political and what I would what really want to say, but we've seen people lying before. We don't know what we don't know what to believe. You know that, that there was some there were some racial things going on back and forth with the emails about how people really feel. It doesn't mean that's the reality. Now we we've been told this, but we don't really know. I, I, there's a there's a cat I've mentioned on this show before. This might not be a great example, but I'm just thinking, thinking out loud. I mention O'Shea Duke Jackson a lot. He has his own YouTube channel. He's studying to be a doctor. He's kind of a, a visceral, a very funny cat, talks about dating and relationships, all kinds of stuff. All right. Uh, he, again, he's going for his medical degree in Poland, right? But he has this popular YouTube channel. So he, uh, a few days ago, he's in this geek cafe in Poland. The Geek Cafe is kind of a laced out cafe, like a smoothie shop. That's all you see is Marvel characters. I, 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 would, I think they were DCs. I only noticed Marvel. I'm sorry to the, to the DC people. But they were, they were all these... No, they were DC people. Yeah, I remember. They were DC. Marvel and DC characters all over the wall, all over the wall in this Geek Cafe that he does some studying in. In Poland, so what I'm saying is, we don't know what is going on. So, I mean, the reality is, Black Panther is a Marvel comic superhero property at the end of the day. I would find it hard to believe 
that are, that hard pressed geeks are not going to see whatever issues they may have with seeing African people, um, darker complected people on screen. I, I hate that 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 exists, but that's what we're that's what we're being told. We don't even know if that's true. I don't know what's true. So maybe yeah. this disclosure of of uh, of Bozeman being popular than we than we're led to believe that might, that ish may be true. Because if he was on stage with with a, with a number of, of of Chinese people giving him props, well, and and Deeper, you probably know better than I. I'm not. I wasn't a huge fan of the character. I mean, I respect it, but when Blade came out, that crossed all types of boundaries, didn't it? I mean, that wasn't strictly well, a black superhero, was it? Well, so I mean, Blade, it's possible. Even even Stan Lee admits to this. I shouldn't say even because Stan Lee's pretty straight up. Um, Blade is the one that really set all this up. When they came down, this is this is what they do with people of color. Uh, this is this is like a theme. When it, the Fox Network <laughs> that we know now, Lucifer and all that stuff going on. Lucifer does great numbers, by the way. Uh, it started with with um, in Living Color. There was a number of black shows, even the WB. Right, all the many of these networks. Start off when they're in the when they're in the red. When they want to get into the black, they go to black. <laughs> and then when they're done with you, they go to white. They they do this repeatedly. The whole black exploitation um, period was during the late sixties, early seventies when Hollywood was actually having financial problems. All those superflies and, and shafts, all that stuff made money, and it was a, they were able to actually get back to some kind of solvency. Through black talent This is something that they do So I don't know what to believe But we, we're seeing Chadwick Boseman Getting props from Chinese people When we're, we're led to believe that That might not go down that well I think, I think Black Panther is going to be a game changer Because it's still Marvel I know when I went to see I forget what movie it was It was a Marvel Maybe it was when I first saw Thor uh, there was a, uh, a dad with his two, I'm going to say teenage or young adult sons, white white family. They showed that Black Panther trailer. They were like, oh, that's going to be dope when I see it, when that comes out. I'm like, that's well, right. Well, well, like, you know, you know what? <laughs> yeah, well, you yeah know what? that's right. <laughs> well, you know something else, too, that's funny, that makes me even think about this? I don't know if it's a great connection. But listen, you got, you got Chinese, Chinese cats. Uh, who are rapping trap style in Mandarin? Oh, Very yeah, popular. that one dude, that one cat, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm like the the same inflections, everything. So you mean to tell me that those those brothers aren't going to check out Black Panther? I sincerely doubt it. That they're not. They're going to check that. They're going to check it out. If they're rapping trap style, and we don't we don't know anything in this country. We're, we're always being fed a bunch of lies. Exactly. We're always going to be fed a bunch of lies. I don't care how many people, I don't care who tells me, I don't care if Bill Maher says it from the rooftop that it's all China's fault that we don't have more black stars and it's all, you know, the international market's fault that we haven't had other people of color, you know, leading the way in, in film and television. I don't care. I don't care what these people say because I know it's it, it's – it's just not that simple. 
It's just not that simple. And they're not going to keep feeding me this BS. I'm not. I'm not having it. Yeah, I mean, I think because of what's going on, we're in, we're we are in a unique situation. I mean, I, I really wasn't too comfortable, and I think uh, I don't know. If, yeah, Q, you weren't there um, when um, uh, what's her name from? Um, she was formerly a Fox, and now uh, formerly a Fox. Now she's on NBC. Megan Kelly. Oh, Megan Kelly. Meg, yeah, Megan Kelly, who is a. I'm not going to go into what I think of her. But she she went into this whole thing about this is a game changer. She basically gave the white female version of We Shall Overcome. And I'm looking at her like, wait a minute, aren't you the same woman that talked, tell, told us that Santa Claus is white and he's always going to be white, even though he's a fictional character? And even, the, and even if he wasn't fictional, St. Nicholas was a brown man from Turkey, but we got to pretend that doesn't happen. So she, when it's her turn to shine, it's the, you know all the, the the secret all the secret disclosures that are, everything's being brought to light. But when it's people of color's turn, when when they go on her, on her show, uh, so D.L. Hughley and a whole bunch of other people, when they say to her, "Listen, there's things going on with people of color that are being brought to light," she doesn't believe it. But when it's her protected class, all of a sudden, things are going to turn around. Like wow, I looked at her like wow, you. It's, when it's your turn, everything is all good. Everybody's getting their turn, their day in the sun. When it's our day in the sun, you shut it down. That's the only reason why I don't trust this new wave of feminism, because I don't know if it's going to trickle down. I think they may still shut the doors on women of color and on people of color in general. I'm hoping for the best. Well, that's but... the thing. It's like right now, as of right now and as of how it's been consistently, feminism has always been equated with white feminism. Yes, it's like, okay, that's all well and good for you, but what about the rest of us? What about us, you know, black women, brown women, yellow women? What about us? Can we get some of that equality? I don't think so. Another sister came out. Another sister came out, Q, you might have noticed this, who, uh, relatively young, I think in her 20s maybe, and she was physically, I think, damn near raped by Weinstein, page 17. But when it's a white woman... It's the it's a front page story. Think she I think Weinstein used Oprah as a buffer. She went to see Weinstein because Oprah was kind of in the purview, but then those people left, and then she was left alone with this man. But her story, anytime the 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 melanin gets a little dark, your story gets a little dark also, and you don't get the same attention. I'm just noticing it. Everybody else that's been pretty grotesque. I mean, he's done some pretty grotesque to, to white women. Admittedly, I will say that it's grotesque. But they get front page front page attention. This woman was raped, forced sex, the whole nine, and she's on page 17. I mean, but we had that discussion about Lena Dunham trying to talk about yeah. how she's so liberal, she's so progressive, she's so this, she's so that. But have you seen any people of color on her damn show? And then when a woman of color accuses a uh, a writer on the girl's show of, of raping her, who does, whose side does she take? She takes the writers. She defends well, for, the writer. Well, for season one, season one of Girls, she got the complaint that, you know, this is you're in New York, 
you don't have any co- friends of color. What's up with that? And then she said something snarky like, well, I don't see any white people on, like, the Real Housewives of Atlanta or something like that. I said, well, why did you go to that show? Is that Why is that show representative? <laughs> I'm like, I mean, it's, it goes to show you, like, damn. And when, oh, o- no. and when Odell and – I, and I always say this, that, that some white women look as – this is where it gets tricky. Some white women look at, as, at black men in an objectified way. Because when Odell Beckham sat next to, sat next to her, and I think that even Michael B. Jordan caught a little bit of this, she's not the most attractive white woman. Okay, let's just keep it one hundred. So, but she she thinks as long as she's got this the, the, that complexion, white black men supposed to just fawn over me. No matter what condition I'm in, I'm supposed to be. Uh, I'm you supposed to you supposed to kneel at my feet. Odell Beckham was on his phone at some kind of function. He wasn't paying attention to her. In her own head, her own psychosis, well, why isn't he talking to me? He must think I'm nothing. She went into this whole, like, internal thing, a conversation that was, that was never had. And she, she was beating up Odell Beckham for something that, that never happened. She just didn't get any attention. Delusional. Men, this chick is delusional. Re- She's like, oh, my goodness, how dare he? How dare he not kiss my ass and kiss the ground that I walk on. Don't he know who I am? Yes. I'm going to get on my captain and be like, dude, but you're not supposed to say that. You're not supposed to say she's not attractive, even though it's true. You're not supposed to say that. <laughs> well, listen, this man is a multi-millionaire uh, young quarterback. Come on, there's something about being a quarterback. He, he He's a fashion dude. I don't, I don't, I don't really care for his style of fashion, but I'll give him props. He's got a little swagger for for the millennial set. You're not the type of women that are coming toward him. She's not in that universe. She's in, she's in the Earth X. No, <laughs> it happened. To me. You tripping? You tripping? You tripping? <laughs> Hell no. Please, I agree I'm with not, you. Though. I'm not Odell Beckham's uh, purview. But if the Afrodor gives money, I don't want you coming near me, uh, Lena. No. Uh-uh. You don't open up my car door. That's it. And why does she have to do that all on social media? Why does she have to not only put him on blast, you know, how dare he not hit on me, how dare he not notice me and flirt with me? Not, okay, first of all, why? I mean, honestly, why do you have to be just – putting your business out there, making a fool of yourself. I mean, I well, just I I never listen, liked her, but damn. I am going to I'm going to I'm going to shut this down after this cuz we should we should have had a longer show. I think Claire knew this. Um Yes, I did. That's why I texted you like, "What the hell?" I know. <laughs> I know. But listen, you know, it was, it was me and you and uh because of what happened with 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 Cap, you know, it was a little weird, you know. I mean, I just I didn't know. But uh, look, I want to leave it at this to show you. And I, I don't like like getting on people, right? I understand the attractive thing, you know. I, I listen, I, you know, I, I'm a little angry at how she got down with that particular situation. But this woman, just to give you a clue, ha, ha, disclosed she had certain intimacies with her sister. So, huh? yeah, look it up. Huh? What? Said, this is the this is the leader of new white feminism. She admitted that she had intimacies with her sister. I mean, at least when Prince wrote about it in 1978, 
that might have been fantasy or, you know, uh, creative license. This is real. Wow. The Prince had a song called Sister. I'll leave it at that. <clears throat> Prince fans know about that song. But wow, yeah. knows about that song. But this is real sister. <laughs> and she admitted it. Lena Dunham on her 21st century come bust up this shiffer robe. <laughs> yes. So I, I, if, if a person is going, to, is going to do that and disclose it, that means she's not well. But this is the person that's not well that's been really the leader of new age white feminism. And even though she, even though she is in the millennial set and she's supposed to be woke, when it comes down to it, she's not that woke. And she's constantly tripping over herself with a lot of issues. Have you guys seen, and we'll close up shop, I understand. Last thing that's coming out of my mouth. Have you guys seen this video? I just stumbled upon it. It was from last night's SNL. Mm-mm. And it's basically one of the skits that these girls did. It was like a music video, and it addresses the harassment and this and that. Oh, yeah, and I saw that. I saw right? that. And then Leslie, Leslie comes in, stops the song for a second, yes. and it's like, yeah, yeah, but you do know that harassment is way worse for people of color. Okay, Ooh. yeah, yeah, we get, we know, yeah, uh huh, we get it, and then the song continues. Mm. They got a good. Just like, okay, they got so a laugh too. Yeah. Okay. So take a look you know, at it, Ebert. Take a look I'm at it. Check Ebert. it out. Yeah. That's a little. That's a little rough. You know, sometimes that's surprised. Uh, you know how um social media can be. They might. They'll jump on you. Right. But, it, but it, when they're not comfortable, that's a little. I mean, you, all of us, we get it. But for the, for the other folks, anytime it's discomfort, they lash out, even though it's truthful. Ah, I got to give it up to her. I, I got to respect that. I got to respect I was surprised. It. I was very surprised by that. I'll look it up. Folks, listen, that's it. Um, we we, <laughs> we should have had a longer show, but again, um, respect and condolences to, to the captain. And he'll be back next week. I'll, I'll do another solo show on Wednesday. i, I I believe I'll do another solo show on Wednesday. And then next week we'll be back and we'll be at this again. More controversy, I suspect. It's never never stopping. All right, people. Um, we're going to go out. Uh, unfortunately or fortunately, i got to do this Christmas music thing because that's just the way it is. It's Christmas time. Or do, uh, let me be correct. It's holiday season. <laughs> let me be correct. It's holiday season for a whole bunch of other holidays coming up. So, um, All right. Let's go with um, <laughs> Funky Funky Christmas. Next week, Claire, thank you. Q-Storm as always. Next week, do it again.
Don't smell it new. 